Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past. The Postcard podcast on this program uh, we handle we look at we talk about postcards um, but this is not a collector's convention we don't want to dwell on serial numbers and printers names our business is the stories the memories and meanings behind the pictures and messages on postcards kindly brought to the studio by my guests i'm tom jackson and today i'm delighted to say my guests are actress lorelei king and broadcaster and journalist tom Sutcliffe. tom and lorelei hello and welcome hi hello. tom hi now, Lorelai King is an actress. You'll have seen her in films such as Notting Hill, House of Mirth. You may have heard her in Alien Covenant. And on television, you'll have seen her in Chef, Cold Feet and Emmerdale. And Lorelai has made her name in rooms not unlike this, with lots and lots and lots of work on Radio 4 and as a multi-award-winning audiobook narrator. And she's now also the author of a book, Storyteller, How to Be an Audiobook Narrator. And Lorelai comes to us with a faint postmark from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, via Los Angeles 90272, um, but those previous Franks are now almost obscured by a London W1 cancellation. <laughs> Lorelai, do you still send postcards? I don't send them now. I'm afraid I used to when I was young and when I was traveling, especially because it, especially to parents and relatives, because it was a fantastic trick. It didn't take the effort of a letter, and you could waste a couple lines talking about the image and hope that would distract them. But once electronic life came, once I embrace that fully with emails. So I, sadly, I don't. So the email killed the postcard, but the postcard had already killed the letter. Mm, oh. For me. I don't think that's unusual. I think uh, um, over the years, I've seen a lot of postcards that say, um, I'll write to you soon, or I'm writing you a letter. <laughs> so the postcard is already the promise of a letter, but it's not the letter. Uh, well, Tom Sutcliffe uh, is another familiar voice, uh, best known as host of Radio 4 Saturday Review, uh, also popping up on Start the Week and other programmes where he exercises his considerable skills at herding guests who are bursting with ideas. Um, he was also the first arts editor of The Independent, uh, a columnist and television reviewer. And when he's not navigating the cultural jungle, he is also chairman of Round Britain Quiz, where he frequently has to uh, gently lead the contestants towards an answer that may or may not be staring them in the face. Yeah, a lot of herding that goes on there too. <laughs> First class herding, I might add. Um, Tom comes to us today uh, bearing a, a faint uh, vestigial postmark from Keithley in Yorkshire, um, but now clearly overstamped with N4 in London. Now, Tom, I believe you are an avid postcard sender. Uh, I'm a pretty regular postcard sender, yeah. When my daughter went to university and she was studying history of art, 
I started sending her postcards because I go to a lot of galleries and, and a lot of exhibition openings. I bought postcards at each of them and I would send her one from, from everyone I went to uh, because she was studying history of art. And then my son was uh, also in a Scottish university, so uh, he didn't want to be left out. So I started sending him a postcard too. So on most weeks, I send two postcards, one to each of them. So I think I'm fairly unusual in that respect. I mean, I don't know how many postcards now are things to have, aren't they, and keep, not things to send away. Yes, yeah, you mean to, to purchase and keep for yourself. Keep, keep for yourself, yeah. They don't, I mean, I suppose there's a certain amount of kind of th- the thank you postcard and so on, but um, I, I think it must have fallen off. But yeah, I do send quite a lot. And I love sending them, actually. It's a, it's a little ritual which I really enjoy. And you must have a good stack of first-class stamps sitting in your wallet. Uh, my wife is always knows where to come for a stamp because I always <laughs> have stamps, yeah. I think Which I'm, again is un- slightly unusual. I think. I think it's also 90% of the herd. Let, sending a postcard is a joy. Finding the stamps is what, is what stops people. <laughs> well, before we discover the, uh, the actual cards that uh, Tom and Lorelai brought along, I'll give you a quick one of mine. Um, this is uh, from the at past postcard style. You'll have seen it on Twitter uh, or in the book. Um, it's a, a vintage card from which I've selected a part of the message. Um, now the the picture of this one, I think uh, I'm showing it to the guests here. Do you know where that is? It looks Stonehenge, but not. It's definitely Stonehenge, but it's is not it, Stonehenge. Is it Brittany? No, it's Pentre Ifan Crumlech in Newport, Wales. Um, it's, a, it's a very fine image. It's a pretty good Crumlech. <laughs> is it? Well, I mean, it's still it's still standing, isn't it? Well, it's got the top bit. As yes, it and it well, it was still standing in uh, 1976 anyway, um, and this card was sent. Um, from someone called Jeremy, who sent it to uh, some people in Camberley, sorry. We are very short of water. First, we were having a bath every two nights, but now we have to wash and wash up in river water. The valley is cold and dark. (laughs) Oh, God, that's I mean, it might have been the, the, the drought of 1976, I suppose, for the water. I guess so, yeah. Uh, problems at the campsite? I don't know. Was that the year it was so hot? Yeah, it was, yeah, a, it was a blazing summer, yeah. Yes, I remember hearing about that what famous summer. What time of year was it? July, yeah, so mm-hmm. it would have been the drought perhaps. So anyway, Jeremy was suffering and uh, was missing his baths. Um, I'll do another quick one. That was somewhat quizzical, that one. But uh, this is uh, Stratford-on-Avon. Any idea whose kitchen that is? None whatsoever. Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> Close. <laughs> Anne Hathaway. Anne Close Hathaway. enough. Um, and this is, uh, this, is, this is a sort of essay on fame, really. Um, Saw your brother on the telly. I was quite thrilled. And I don't even know him. <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. <laughs> is there any clue as to who the brother is in the name? You're oh, probably... Oh, you could work it out. I hadn't uh, thought of that. That's sure we but they could be anyone. Could be anyone. Are you, are you, do you have an ethic about revealing names? I try not to, um, particularly if the cards are... I might even, and this is a bit of a revelation, I might change the odd Christian name if they're from the 1990s onwards. I just don't want... Yeah, I'm yeah. not in the business of embarrassing anyone. Mm. Um, but it is that it is that whole thing of whether a postcard is a private communication or a public one, isn't it? But it's, and, it's semi-public, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're... Um, I'm not going to say that name, because no. that name... <laughs> That name's quite identifiable, but then also it won't, it's the married name, so it won't be the yes, name of the brother. Anyway. Yes. 
But, you know, I'm sure um, <laughs> your children's housemates would have read your postcards you sent them. I always assume they're going to be read by everybody. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think you, the, have you have to make that assumption. Yes. Um, which is why in the early days they would do things like writing in code or um, shorthand or, or mirror writing or just things to... It's quite useful for your children because one of the great pleasures is embarrassing your children <laughs> so that I know uh, that what I write to them will be read by their flatmates and, and uh, that's so the, appealing. The postcard is perfect for that. Yeah. Well, uh, to let you know at home, images of all the cards we discussed today uh, are going to be on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, and you can take a look and you see that we're not making it up. Um, now, Tom and Lorelai, you've been thoughtful enough to come along to the studio with some postcards of your own. Lorelai, what's the first card you want to share with us? The first card is this one. It's a picture of the uh, National Tube Mill in McKeesport, Pennsylvania, which is just east of Pittsburgh. McKeesport is where I was born. It's where my grandparents lived. Right. This is really, this is your hometown. This is my hometown. And I, this postcard wasn't sent to me. I in a way, sent it to myself. I've lived in this country for such a long time. I was, I don't know if it was a moment of homesickness or what it was, but I sought out this image. I had it in my mind. It, it's like my childhood, these colors, the rust of the mills. And I wanted an image with the blue of that sky because we, we lived there when I was little with my grandparents, but even after we didn't live there anymore, we lived two miles, we would drive there every weekend, very family-oriented around my grandparents. And I saw this. You cross two rivers to get there, the Monongahela and the Yakahaney, and pass this mill on the way to my grandparents' house and pass it on the way back. And on the way back at night, there was always this blue flame shooting into the sky. Oh, it was wow. kind of the piercing blue of that sky. So I wanted an image with that sky that also, for me, represents the night with that constant flame. And... Although this image started for me originally as uh, just a memento of home, it has a different significance now when I look at it. When I look at this mill, my grandpa was the foreman there. He was an immigrant. He came from Serbia. Many of the people who worked in the mill, most of the people were Eastern European immigrants. And this particular mill was bought by U.S. Steel in 1901, and it then became U.S. Steel National Tube Company, which was the first billion-dollar company in America. And when I think of how this company, this billion-dollar company, was built by my grandfather and people like him on their toil, on their sweat, these working-class people who came to America, uh, kind of, they came looking for a dream, but they actually built the dream they worked in steel, iron, aluminum, all those things to make this great country. And they made the country great. My grandparents all came in at Ellis Island and they built that country. So now when I look at it, it's kind of sad as well with the current rhetoric around immigrants. Immigrants and steel. All these things are yeah. being used as, as part of the political uh, discourse. And indeed the, the, the voting patterns of people who work in mills, mm -hmm. in steel mills now. Mm -hmm. And so it makes me sad to think that in how immigrants are thought of now when, in fact, they, they made America great. Do you know, is the, is the mill still operating? The mill is not still operating. It, um, I think they tried to revive it in the 80s, but it, you know, it is the, the town had changed quite a bit when I went back some years later. It was more, it was quite thriving. It was very working class, but it, it, but it was alive and um, it was not 
the population dwindled a tremendous amount. So it was a steel town. It was a steel and town. And when the steel stopped. I think at its height, it had 54,000 right. population. That's not that big of a city of a town. But, um, but then it dropped down to, I don't know what, in the teens, I think, even. So I don't know what the state of play is with it now. I haven't been back in a very long time. But I love this image because it's, it's not just, you know, where I come from. It's who I come from. And it makes me proud. So you sought this image. You, you bought this secondhand, did you? I did. To... I searched online. I wanted to find an image that would remind me of that. And I mean, this is, I'm going back quite a few years when I, st- I just had this impulse to find it. And I, did, I don't remember where I found it, if it was like <laughs> on eBay or something like that. But I'm quite pleased with it. It's one of my favorite images of that. That, e- that eBay market for postcards is fascinating, isn't yeah. it? Because you can, you can go back. I've looked online on eBay for postcards and of places I've been to. And you can cut time slices back through time mm. to find, you know, the same place that you lived. But, you know, yeah. with that building gone and this building disappeared. and it's, Yes. It's terrific. Well, yes, uh, eBay almost acts as an archive in itself, I think, because uh, I just suppose because of the, the rapacious nature of buying and selling stuff. There's a lot of stuff there and you can find, so you can slice it lots of different ways. But it, it, this intrigues me in, in lots of ways because it's, it's, it's not an idealised image. No, <laughs> um, it, it has a lot of romantic resonance in a way. Now, if we, we look at the sort of industrial age as romantic, but um, so I associate that blue with very fake postcards mm. from uh, from Britain, this kind of thing. But I don't know. Maybe the sky yeah, does it, was Do you that think way. it's um, been coloured? It may well have, because to be honest, in my memory, the sky was often quite yellow. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of. I mean, that's brownfield. It's it's yeah, there, as you can imagine, a lot of heavy metals and that kind of pollution. In that but land. It's, I, I love the idea that you would put a, st- a factory on, on the front of a postcard, which is sort of notionally something picturesque or something mm-hmm. beautiful. And yeah. instead you send a picture of this fantastic steel plant. And, and it, is, it is beautiful to me. The hospital I was born in, that's the view. You see this mill. So it's, it's certainly, to me, it is beautiful. Well, a lot of American artists um, painted, you know, Steichen took photographs exactly like that. Really? But in black and white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... and American artists of the 30s and 40s went crazy for mills like that. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll find one and show you, but almost identical. Mm. The aesthetics of those kind of platonic solids and planes and lines, they loved it. Yeah, it is, it is an exercise in geometry, isn't it, in some ways? But it's messy as well. There's work going on. Very good. Well, I think that's it's very impressive that you've, you've managed to bring uh, find something that, that uh, you know, gives you a kind of Proustian rush. It kind of takes you right back... Um, to your to to your earliest days yes. and before, yes, very yes. good. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Now, Tom, I understand you're not actually a great keeper of postcards. I'm a hopeless guy. I've been <laughs> I've been thoroughly ashamed by the process of doing this, and you know, looking for postcards and realizing I just don't keep them. I don't keep things. So I'm going to come around and look in your bins. I think. Well, I'll, I'll stock up that way. They must be there somewhere, but but written on. I mean, I have a drawer full of unwritten postcards because. As I say, I buy them every time I go somewhere. I buy two or three. And they all stack up, and I don't sell, sell, send as many as I buy. But I couldn't find any that had been written on or that I had preserved, you know, as a sort of cherished memory, um, which, as I say, is a bit shameful. <laughs> it makes me feel I've failed the human test. Well, maybe, no, maybe, but, maybe, maybe, I, maybe the real memory is more important well, than the memory also, on a piece of cardboard. It made me think, actually, I wonder whether my children are saving the postcards I sent to them. I think I did see a big 
plump of them when I moved my daughter from one digs to another. But how long they'll last and whether she cares. I mean, I don't... I don't and, and if they're thrown away, who can you blame? I, I won't blame her and I won't... Uh, there will be no recriminations if she throws them away because she'll be following in the family line. But So what I've bought are postcards, the art postcards I buy. And the, the art postcards I particularly love are art postcards that have writing on the front. Right, so they're actually within, within the artwork. There's... Within the artwork or, you know, I mean, uh, uh, this top one... Um, if you go to the Imperial War Museum, they have a fantastic collection of um, admonitory postcards from the First World War. Uh, this one says it's from the Scottish War Savings Committee. Uh, and it's in this sort of rather Victorian, I suppose, Edwardian typeface. Self-indulgence at this time is helping the enemy. <laughs> that has gone to both of my children at university <laughs> uh, in the first week because that's a very useful message. You have repurposed. Yeah, but they, there's, there's quite a few of these and they're, they're all rather good. They don't have that awful, I would never send, uh, keep calm and carry on. Um, but, but, but that's what it's about, isn't it? It's that well, idea of taking someone else's message that you can apply. And what I like about them is that they're really stern. <laughs> there's a lot about, you know, frivolously buying stuff. There's a poster that sort of says, don't buy stuff because people will die, you know, because of the blockade and the torpedo right. blockade. So, so just stop being a shopaholic. <laughs> uh, so I like those. Um, but you, you, you can't always be so lucky as to find messages that are so pertinent no, to, well, to your recipient. Part, that's part of the point. Is you can find these general... There's a, the, the, again, I think it was from... I mean, I, I first saw this work up in um, the Museum of Modern Art in Edinburgh, and it's a Martin Creed um, piece, and this is a, a postcard of it at the Tate, and it says, <laughs> everything is going to be all right. Now, that's quite a handy message to have on the front. I mean, the thing that's interesting about this, I would, you know, nobody... I, I, there's a sort of snobbery, isn't there, about buying birthday cards that have messages written in them. Or at least there is, I am snobbish about that. You, well, particularly if it goes into a... I wouldn't a, do it. It would never a, do it. I feel rhyme. it's my job, yeah, to write the, the message inside. But I don't have any such snobbery about a postcard which has Martin Creed saying something actually quite bland on the front and quite sort of, you know... Which, which is, of course, exhibiting a snobbery of its own, really, isn't it? Yeah, no, no. Because it it's is. art, it's... I know it's, snob <laughs> I know it's complete snobbery, but, but it works because of that. But also, I, what I quite like about postcards, what I think is, you know works so well about your Twitter feed is that disjunction between what's on the front and what's on the back that you can twist it over. So you can write something on the back of everything is all right that makes it clear that everything isn't all right, actually. <laughs> um, and Gillian uh, Wehrling's very good. I've got this Gillian Wehrling one. She did this long series uh, called Signs That Say What You Want Them To Say and not signs that say what someone else wants you to say. It's a great title in itself. And what she did was she just went out in the streets of London and she got passers-by. She gave them a big white placard and a felt-tip pen and said, write a message on here that is something you want to say, not what somebody else... And so you have these rather stark pictures of people standing there with their... And this is a, a young man who looks like a student. Everything is connected in life. The point is to know it and to understand it. <laughs> And he's misspelt understand, which is the, the, the point at which this rather bland statement becomes brilliant. Um, the one, the, one of the most famous ones she did, and I don't think I've ever seen it as a postcard. It's a wonder, it would be wonderful as a postcard, but perhaps the guy regretted having done it. 
and it's a city type and he's dressed in a suit looks very smart businessman and his card just says i'm desperate oh my goodness um, I'm gonna <laughs> i know i mean it's an amazing image and again uh you know as a postcard it would be very potent i think but yes. but it, for obvious reasons and I'm, a, I'm a great believer in the, in very brief messages and i think that you know the, the just yeah. you just let it sit there yeah. but i think that it's interesting because um the gallery postcard, the art postcard, is to some extent where postcards have gone. Um, they've kind of left the seaside resorts. Perhaps we've left the seaside resorts. But when you go around a gallery uh, or an exhibition or a museum, um, you will invariably see uh, beautifully produced postcards and you'll probably buy some. Uh, I think it's, uh, it, it seems to be where postcards are surviving. I wonder how long that will last now that most galleries are letting you take pictures in the galleries because the postcard for a long time sort of filled yes. that 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 was gap. the visual souvenir, yes. You weren't allowed to take photographs. Almost every gallery does let you take photographs. Yeah, it's simply a no-flash rule, isn't it? Yeah, now? and some, some of them positively encourage you mm. because they want that, you know, out there. Um, so Perhaps I don't know. this is the last gasp. It may be the last gasp, and I'd be truly sorry if it was, actually, because I think having them as a sort of physical object and, you know, arrayed around your desk or sort of pinned up on in front of your desk, they're, they're wonderful. They can be wonderful art postcards. But I think that's what they're good for. There's room for both. I think digital is fantastic to post on your social media and get the images out, but it's nice to have something. And also, they're always framed much better if it's a postcard that, rather than some weirdo. Well, except thing. sometimes I think... You get. You must have had that experience if you go and you see some absolutely wonderful painting and then you go to the postcard and it looks just like a drab little because the printing hasn't been right. And in fact, you can actually sometimes now take better pictures of the art than you can get in the postcard shop. Yes. Uh, well, obviously, the, the cards you've shown us work particularly well because they are graphic. They're, gra- they're graphic and they're fairly simple. I mean, most, two, you know, they're photographs. Yeah, or they're very simple reproductions. Uh, I mean, there's a, a, an Ed Ruscha one. Ed Ruscha is very good because he, he often has that. This um, Ed Ruscha postcard, which is um, called Oof, <laughs> and it's a 1962 um, oil on canvas. Is and it it's as just, early as that? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so it's a sort of early piece of pop art, but that's a great postcard. That, that, that can be used in almost any mm-hmm. circumstance. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's up to the recipient to work out exactly what oof means. You, when, you, when you go to a gallery that has a sort of uh, some kind of graphic exhibition, you must come out with dozens of... I'll, I'll, have, ten, my, I'll have ten of them. <laughs> I know. I know that I've got my drawer at home, which is getting increasingly difficult to shut, so I don't go mad. But I do... That's when I buy ten rather than just, you know, one or two. Well, they, they must love it at the gift shop. I'm quite taken by the self-indulgence one. I keep looking at it because they have, uh, it says, at this time, underlined, so it's important. So I, I think it's a little bit subversive. It's like, this won't last. It's temporary. Oh, yeah, the war's going to at end. At this time yes. only. Yeah. So I think that's a little You're subliminal right. I'd never message. Thought of, I'd never thought about that. Mm. The duration of the crisis. Mm. Yeah, and then like you can that. go back to self-indulgence. Help yeah, yourself. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's the point. <laughs> yeah. And the colors, which are patriotic. Very nice. A lovely bit of uh, printing as well, isn't it? Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, I'm going to um, lower the tone slightly from these uh, elevated artistic cards to um, a uh, another quick one of mine. This is a card of, and we're talking about the, the, the death of the seaside. This place certainly hasn't died. Uh, it's the West Pier in Brighton. Oh, wow. Um, the, that pier isn't there anymore, is it? I mean, that's the, isn't that the one that got... Uh, 
destroyed several times. It's only the palace pier that's left. Uh, yeah. I'm so not, that's gone. I, d- I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's not there. And this is sent in 1969. Wow. And it's actually got a rather good uh, postmark. Brighton and Hove for brighter holidays. <laughs> we, we can have a separate programme about those special seaside postmarks. And this was sent by Tom. Margaret, uh, no, Tom. Yeah, so three Toms in the studio. It paints a picture of a moment. I'm sat on the beach, sunbathing at the moment, listening to the music they play all day on the loudspeakers on the front. Hawaiian music at the moment. <laughs> I love only yeah, the Brits would yeah. do sunbathing on a shingle beach. Pebbles. Uh, <laughs> yeah. With music coming out of yeah. a tannoy. Yeah. And um, that's that's got a blue sky, just like your blue sky mm-hmm. in the mills. But, the, but that one does look a bit faked up. I think those clouds are incredibly yeah. uh, fake. <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks, looks a sunny day, but it, I don't think yeah. the sky was like that. I've been to Brighton, so I don't trust the sky. I'm prepared to believe your card because I've never yes. been there. <laughs> <laughs> I love the clothes. That's one thing about those period postcards is seeing what they're wearing. And yeah, the how, are they, there, how are they dressed in that one? They're kind of shift dresses. I see the ladies wearing. Well, yeah, no, actually... Have they got coats on? They should do. Um, no, yeah, there, no, there's, there's, no. There is, there's an older woman who's got a coat on. She's not taking any chances <laughs> at all with the weather, even though it is, as you say, a sunny day. But there's, a, there's a quite a short skirt there. Well, 69 would have been. 69, yeah. And, yeah. and also, I love that they're they're kind of well-dressed. And these days, you wouldn't see girls on the pier in, in such formal kind of dresses and um, no. nice shoes and that. They look quite well-dressed. They seem to have taken it from quite a high angle as well. I'm not sure... Mm. Yes, I think there's a li- there's another little pavilion, isn't there? That's where they've gone and stood on, Still the- on the top of yeah. it. They are a trip to the south coast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Podcasts from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. And my guest today is Tom Sutcliffe and Lorelai King. Lorelai, what's the second card you've got for us? Well, I've brought a picture of a De Curico painting. And this was a late entry. I decided <laughs> on this at midnight last night. Really? Well, De Curico is my favorite artist. And how that happened was you and I talked earlier. I don't know what museum it was. It was back in the 80s. 
I think it was the Tate. And I went to an exhibition and there was um, – of his. And there was a painting called – it was The Nostalgia of the Infinite. I think I've just checked that. And I saw it. And I've never had this happen before. They have benches. I actually had to sit down. It was this kind of recognition and – he, it was the light that he paints. It was yes. just, it was the same light that I have in my dreams. And I just was <laughs> like, it was like my insides were all of a sudden outside. I'd never had that experience before. What a Stendhal moment. It was, it was yeah. amazing. And I was like, oh, honestly, it was like I was in a French film. I just, oh, just and, um, <laughs> It was the 80s. We were all younger. <laughs> and I actually went looking because I know I have that postcard and I couldn't find it, but I have several others. And I thought, oh, oh, I remember this one. And it is Hector and Andromache. And I thought, I'm just going to look at this. And I bought this many years ago. But since that time, I, I just finished my degree last year, finally, in classical studies. And part of my studies was the Homeric poems. So I started looking at this at midnight last night and and knowing now the poems, as I do, Hector and Andromache uh, in Homer's poems occur in the Iliad. Hector, I've also had a soft spot for him. He is Paris's brother, Paris, who stole Helen and started the Trojan War. Andromache is his wife. And I always think they're such a tragic couple. They're, they're the victims of other people's actions. They had nothing to do with it. But by fulfilling their roles, they just are destroyed. Hector is the warrior. In this picture, where the two figures are made of like dressmaker's dummies, De Kirko does this. They're mechanical figures almost. They have no features on their faces. Hector is a warrior. His head is it, the crest. He has a crest down the middle like a helmet. It's almost like the man in the iron mask, an irre irremovable helmet. It's like he is, that's what he is as a warrior. In the poems, he says, I have learned to be valiant. So it suggests it's not something innate, but something he learned. But it's so much a part of him now. She, on the other hand, is this beautiful, perfect oval egg, no mouth, no eyes. Euripides says, it has her character say in the Trojan Women, you know, I, something like, I kept a fair silence. That's, she was a perfect wife. She kept a fair silence. And, and yet it's, you see their love. They were so much in love. And, and I love this picture because they're, they're leaning in toward each other. Their heads, his head is inclined toward hers. His hip is thrust into her. Their hearts are touching. Their chests are touching. And I believe that this, I don't know for a fact, but I believe this is the moment where he's saying goodbye to her. And she's begging him not to go because she knows the consequences. He knows. He says, I feel in my heart. I know I'm going to die. I know you're going to be enslaved. And, and she'll be more valuable because, he, because of his heroism. And so it's this touching moment. And his, his head, the inclination of his head, I find particularly moving. Um, the way he leans into her. And yet, you see this loving couple saying goodbye at a time of war, and they're, but they're mechanicals. They're puppets. They're, they don't stand on their own. They've got props on their legs. They're held up by frames. They have these weird little freaky chicken feet, you know, that can't hold them up, the weight of their destiny. They're, they're actors. And the light, you see on the horizon, there's kind of a sunrise, the light coming up. But the light, the shadows in the picture belie that. They, this, the light is coming from the side, the way they're lit, the way the shadows fall, almost like they're on a stage. And then I notice that there's planks. Is it a ship? Is it a stage? It's a stage. There's it looks like red a stage, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Proscenium arch either side. They're playing and, their roles. 
they're playing their roles in the theater of war. And I think it is, it, and I don't know if de Kirko meant it as an anti-war picture, but in a way to me, it, it, it's 1917 during the Great War, this picture was painted. And to me, it's, it's like they're helpless puppets fulfilling their destiny, knowing the outcome of what is going to happen. And yet they have to say goodbye and more men die, women weep. And, and that, is, that is what they're doing, fulfilling their role. So I find it quite tragic and beautiful. Did you see it in Milan? No. This picture? No. no. You Have were... you seen it in Milan? No, oh. no, no. No, I've only seen this card. Yeah. And I love it. it, it I mean, the, you've, you've explained both the picture, the background of the picture, and your feelings about it very well. I think it's, for me, it's the, it's the, the tenderness mm. expressed in what are these rather ungainly dummies mm. um, is, is a very sort of strange disjunction. It's all in the heads, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. they, you can't make out any arms. You can see their legs very clearly, mm-hmm. but it's it's very hard to see arms. You can't really see arms enfolding each other or mm-hmm. clasping round. So it's just the inclination of those two heads very close together. Mm-hmm. Do you know where he was when he painted this? I don't know what country he was in, but as I say, it was what? When did the Great War end? Nineteen eighteen, and this was nineteen seventeen. I don't know. Do you send postcards? Would you have sent that then? I can't. I'm image? selfish. I would keep that you as. Keep, I would have sent you'd that. You'd have as to an buy image. two. Um, it would depend on to whom. Yeah, I'd buy two. And if I, if I, if it was someone who would appreciate it, if it was someone who's just going to go, oh, a weirdo picture, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Uh, but someone who would appreciate it, I would send that. It's I hard not to see it as a First World War painting. Actually, I think when uh, mm. you put it, you put it the way you did. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very good, and that is uh, a classic art postcard. Do you know what? <laughs> I would send it as an anniversary card, maybe because I think it's a very loving portrait as well. And I think it's, in that way, it's beautiful. I think their relationship is is beautiful. Yeah, so yeah. I would. I think there's been a problem with postcards, which is that they are perceived to be ephemeral. So Tom's cards with the messages on, of course you're going to read the message. The eye gets drawn, you're going to read the message. Yeah. To actually give us uh, enough uh, consideration to uh, uh, something which, which, which perhaps is a little more complex, you can't guarantee the recipient will ever do that. I suppose that's why images are often simple. Yeah. Got to well, choose your friends carefully. Yeah, of course, and you know people who really appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Or you've got to pointedly <laughs> point it out in the back, which is rather insulting, isn't yes, it? To I, well, say you might have missed the point of this. Saw this and thought of you. Well, that's my other postcard. Is one that's absolutely problematic in that regard. Yes, I mean, let's, my, let's talk about that one. It's my favourite. Uh, I think this is the postcard I bought most of, um, and it was at a Louise Bourgeois exhibition at. Uh, at the Tate, I think it was the um, the big collected show that they had of her, and it's a pocket handkerchief with blue borders, and on it she's embroidered, "I have been to hell and back, and let me tell you, it was wonderful." And I thought <laughs> that's so great. I, you know, I'll be able to send that to, for everything. Yes. I, I, that it's can, short. That's a, it's pithy. Yeah, it's a thank you card. I mean, it's a brilliant. <laughs> I found I've still got most of them because. Every time I sit down, if I've been to dinner with somebody and I've wanted to send them a... Postcards are great for that because, again, you know, you don't have to write too much, do you? And it's a little gesture. I sit down and I think, oh, perhaps they, perhaps they, won't, they won't quite understand that I really did think it was wonderful. Um, the word hell is quite a strong word. And so mostly I don't send it, but it's always a source of regret to me because I think getting that postcard would be terrific getting it in the post in that mm-hmm. ambiguous message. 
I love this because I do, I actually do cross stitch. And so I'm quite intrigued that, and I love doing text. It's, it's a wonderful thing She's to stitch. She's pretty good at embroidery because she grew, is... her, her family um, upbringing was to do with textiles. And, uh, and, and I think her father ran an embroidery or a tapestry, a tapestry factory. So she uses a lot of embroidery and needlework and so on. She's pretty good, I think. I think she? it's fantastic. And she's th- as a stitcher, you're thinking about what you're stitching as you're doing it, and and this is and I love that it's a handkerchief. It looks like almost a working man's handkerchief. It looks quite sturdy. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's and, an ordinary handkerchief, isn't it? It is a man's handkerchief. I yeah, think. and I just love the idea. This I don't know what this little sign is. She's embroidered a little I sign think, in the corner. Well, I don't know whether that's just um, that's just a little fleck of. I don't know whether that's on the original. I mean, the other thing about it is that the uh, the handkerchief isn't ironed. Mm-hmm. It's sort of rather, it's a rather wrinkled handkerchief, yeah. and I quite like that too. And I also like, which is really prissy, I like the fact that it's a square handkerchief, so on a rectangular postcard. So mm-hmm. you've got all of this working white at yes, the bottom, like which a Polaroid. I really love. I mean, <laughs> you get that a lot on art postcards. Um, it's the negative space I buy them the from. <laughs> <laughs> I've never ever written on that side. Though but obviously, you could. You could. I, one thing I found out, I was, look, I was trying to look up. Um, you probably, you almost certainly know this book, wonderful book, um, The Postcard Century, the Tom Phillips, Tom Phillips book, book. Yeah, yeah. where he takes you through the 1900 to 2000 by postcards. Uh, and I was looking that up and um, found out a fact, which I, again, you will know that I didn't know, that it was only in 1902 that the post office allowed you um, to write on the back of a postcard. Oh. Before that, you had to write on the picture side yes. because the the reverse side had to be the address only. Yes. So that notion of dividing the back of the postcard yes. only came in quite late. Yes, the undivided back. So they kept, they would, as, as you say, they would come up with uh, visual um, uh, devices to allow a bit of space yes, on the Yes, there front. would have been a bit of blank uh, yeah. on the thing. But that idea fills me with horror now. That you, you would write over. I mean, partly because they're fine art postcards, yes. but um, I don't think I don't suppose I would do it anyway. But I must start thinking about that. Well, there's a long tradition of of, of um, adding to the image with you know our well, hotel well, here, yeah, or the... <laughs> this is where I fell over, or look at this idiot. Or... <laughs> but um, there's there's a bit of a tradition that's come up now, or a bit of a fashion for um, unexpected or um, jocular. Or, or, or even kind of semi-obscene messages in cross-stitch. You see them quite a lot now, people with, with unexpectedly um, sort of indecorous kind of messages. Yeah. I wonder if this is kind of where that started. Well, it's sort of... Um, there is that disjunction, isn't there? Um, cross, cross-stitch is all meant to be sort of sweet and domestic and so on. To have the, to, I have been to hell and back in it is unusual. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the only time I've been able to use this in its perfect way, it, it's very easy to Photoshop mm. the letters. So when I went to the uh, Hull Festival of Culture, I was able to Photoshop the U from Wonderful into Hell, and it then read, I have been oh. to Hull and back, and let me tell you it was wonderful. And then it became the perfect tweetable image. You yeah. utterly destroyed her message. I did, I did. I, did. I apologised to her, but... That's extraordinary. Well, um, yes, I've been to Helen back, tell me as well. We've, we've not been to Helen back, but we've, uh, I've, I've had a wonderful time um, 
talking to you both. Thank you so much for bringing your cards. Thank you, Tom. Um, it's a pleasure to talk about them. Well, good, good. That's uh, that's the idea. Yeah. Um, another quick reminder to listeners at home. Uh, images of all these cards, these many cards, um, uh, will be on the blog, um, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, uh, including this last one from me, uh, in the at past postcard style. Very, very simple message. It's a, it's a black and white card. It's from 1958. Um, the picture is of Wells Cathedral. Uh, nice picture of the nave, is it? And uh, it, it, it's a, um, a sentiment that um, you do occasionally hear. Tell me something. Have you forgotten my address? <laughs> Uh, maybe that's one you could have sent your children. <laughs> I've I've never received a postcard from my children. No, um, though it, well, no, because why would they? It's it's uh, you get a WhatsApp message or a, yes. an Instagram post. Uh, well, you know these things change. You never know. You never know. Um, before we let uh, Lorelai and Tom back out into the slightly foggy London sunshine, um, I've got one more postcard for you both. Uh, it's become customary for us to end the program with one of these. Have a look at this. See what you think. Oh wow! Was this a record? Yeah, this is you. You go in. You put your message on the front. Do you, you go oh. in and record it? And so, if you play that, it says. Uh, no, I no? don't think it's quite as sophisticated as that. All oh, right. Okay. Um, I think the mess. The the the. the we're message not. Is we're not on cheating by looking at the we're back. We're not looking oh, at the it's back. But, no, help yourself. But, oh, okay. but now we can look at the back. Okay. There is actually a sort of art connection to this one as well. Tanz orchestra. Des Berliner Rundfunk. Do you recognise the location at all? Paloma. This is like uh, a Britain quiz. No, I don't. No. Well, it's um, in um, it's in Germany. Rugen. Oh, Rugen. The... Oh. Baltic coast. And those cliffs are where there's a very famous um, Casper Friedrich. Casper David Friedrich yeah. picture of the sort of the arch round, and you're looking out to the sea with the two two figures. Um, so I guess it's a, a popular. And so, what's the? Have you played it? Well, shall we have a go? Yeah. yeah. David's You've been got uh, to play sorting it. things out for us. Ooh. Let's see if he can uh, make this work. Wonderful. Here we go. <laughs> Not exactly the great romantic vistas. <laughs> It's a bit Wild West, I think, this one. It does. Yeah, it's riding into town. I'm an old town man on the Rio Grande. I'm hearing a little bit of that in there. Mm-hmm. But pretty good sound for a piece of cardboard. Mm-hmm. Oh. This is a mariachi thing going on. Um, I love the, the, the sound of the... The, of the record going out, it's like a heartbeat underneath <laughs> it as it goes around. Such a, but it's such a nostalgic sound, is that, isn't it, for it's, anybody else? It's very nostalgic. <laughs> well, as the crumbling chalk cliffs of Rugen continue to rotate at exactly 45 RPM, that's it for this time on Podcast from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts, uh, Lorelai King and Tom Sutcliffe. Thank you both. Thank, thank you, you, Tom. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. You can see more postcards with their messages 
posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me, at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.